So welcome back again. Some of you might think that why I repeated the same thing again and again, old age, sickness and death. Just say one time that we will do. I must say for myself, uh, quite a few years ago, when I was uh, looking after Ayavayama, and my grandma was uh, 98, um, and then uh, I have a, we have a very close supporter who passed away just sort of, uh, I just saw her two days ago, and then I received a phone call saying that she passed away. So I was really interested in uh, the topic, old age sickness and death. I can tell you that at the time, I'll look for, uh, search for any books or any articles I can get my hand on, including the sutures. So I read quite a number of books about uh, old age sickness and death. I think someone even passed me quite a number of articles about rebirth. So um, it's something that uh, is very close to my heart because my own father passed away when I was in my uh, early 20s. So all those things that happen that uh, I want to find out more, I'm interested in, then uh, I hope you are. Uh, no matter how old you are, uh, it is uh, um, very good to be able to start to have a conversation with yourself, a conversation with your friends and family regarding the topic. Again, we're going to... Uh, uh, keep on uh, progressing with different um, stories. So I have more stories to share with you. But I just want to emphasize that and uh, remind you that uh, remember that we are not at war with old age sickness and death. It is not our enemy. We are not out here uh, for the weekend retreat trying to fight. And um, we are not fighting with our body too because it's doing its own thing. So we, are, we want to be able to uh, accept and go with the flow, uh, things that we can't change. Of course, there are things that we can change or change. We can make ourselves more um, at peace and at ease with whatever happens. And so that we are not a, not a struggle for us. And remember, old age, sickness and death, they are not a tragedy. Uh, unless we are familiar with it, we are having um, a conversation about it, contemplate it, then it's no longer a tragedy. It is a part of life. It's hard to sing, sing in, including myself. Okay. I was um, um, with my grandma and I, Vayama, at the, the time of death. So it's still not, I don't think it is uh, the first few months it hit really hard. It's very fresh in the mind, but not uh, with over time. So we need to. Uh, repeat, repeat it again and again to contemplate it again and again. I bet all of us after this weekend retreat, we are not going to do much about it after that. So it's good to, uh, uh, unfortunately, you have a big dose of it this weekend. And I'm going to share with you um, 
some more stories. This is my own story. Um, I was at Bandard uh, Cancer Center in Subiaco. Um, most of you will heard of it, Bandard Cancer Center in Subi. I think next to St. John of God Hospital, or close to St. John of God Hospital. And I was there, I was just standing outside the toilet, waiting for someone. And while I was uh, just standing there, at the corner of my eyes, I saw a lady uh, on her drip stand, uh, walking with her drip stand, just uh, walking past. I caught myself uh, when I just saw it. I caught myself that I turned my head instinctively away. Um, she's not walking in front of me, just at uh, where Sharanga is. Um, I, at the time, just um, I just could not understand uh, for a minute why did I turn my head away. Then I realized I could not bear to see the suffering and pain of that person in front of me. And then I recognized that uh, the fear and anxiety in myself because it could be me. I actually went there for my own investigation. That's why I ended up in the, uh, um, in the center. Um, but when I saw someone walking past, I thought, I, it just come to me. And then when I caught myself, um, turned my head away, I make a very big effort, a gigantic effort, to turn to look at this person one more time. Um, I'm very grateful for that because I was really shocked that I turned uh, my head away. Um, when I look at her one more time, I, this time I was uh, standing there watching this lady. She happened to be a lady. Um, that's another fellow beings on the path path called life, samsara, facing sickness, possible death, and uh, facing suffering and pain. I realized that uh, the fact that I, don't, I turned away is I can't bear to see the suffering and pain in her, and I also can't bear the possible suffering and pain in myself. So I encourage all of us to uh, look and contemplate so that we can bear to look at our own pain and suffering, not just others out there. To me, it's a very powerful moment to uh, recognize and aware of the fear and anxiety in myself because I was there having, uh, I had my own investigation And um, I'm grateful, I was grateful at the time that the training, I was already a nun, was the training and the practice in Dharma gave me the willingness to, uh, to be there, not to run away, even though I did momentarily run away from the pain and the suffering that I was witnessing. And of course, it projected to myself as well. So that's very important. That's why 
uh, encourage all of us uh, to have a conversation with ourselves and with the family members about that. And there's another story. Uh, story. It's a true story that people told us about it. That um, one of our um, friends, that uh, her husband uh, diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's. She told us that after the diagnosis, the family members, this person have some more brothers and sisters in the family, never uh, called or visited. I can understand. Sometimes you could understand because most people do not know what to do. It's not that they think that they will get the disease themselves, uh, having Alzheimer's. Is they are, do not have the skill uh, to how to deal with the situation. That your own brother got Alzheimer's. What to say to them? He might not be able to. Uh, I can't remember how far uh, into the journey of the diagnosis. But sometimes when you get there, you don't know what to say to them, to your bond brother and your sister-in-law. That's why it is important. Of course, this person who was telling us the story, feeling she felt really hurtful that the family members don't even pick up the phone or visit. Is when you really reflect on, is the other person, they can't bear to see the suffering and pain. And the other thing is, it could be them as well. So they don't know, most of us don't know what to do with it. So the, one of the ways is run away. That's why I give all of us a, a, a pat on the shoulder. At least at this weekend, we do not run away. We want to uh, reflect on the same topics and have a look. I got another story. Um, sometimes uh, it is very important for us to be able to stay in the present moment, just to be aware of what is happening, like what happened to me when I saw this lady that, uh, who was on the drip walking past me. So not to judge that, oh, you know, I'm a nun. I should be able to accept the fact that it is suffering. You know, there's a life is suffering, uh, impermanence and non-self. It's not judging ourselves or criticize ourselves for not able to do that or not um, caught, caught like me, I caught by surprise that how my reaction is to that situation. So it is... Um, and also not to identify ourselves with that, you know, it's me that who can't do it. Um, I should be able to let go. I should be brave and uh, uh, not afraid uh, of dealing with the situation. And I should not be worried. And uh, that's why being present at that very moment, not to run away, to stay it's very important. I have a, a story, not story, my mom. She uh, needed to have a CT scan uh, a while ago for some health problems. 
Of course, uh, she was uh, a bit concerned and worried. But my family members was teasing her, say that, yeah, you are a fried chicken, yes, on it, and say whatever that my brother or the family members eat. So she said, no, 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 I'm not afraid. <laughs> no, it's okay, I'll, I don't, no problems, I'll go. That's what she said. Um, I was uh, talking to her all the phone because I heard all the teasing you know, from my family members as well. And I told her, that's okay. It's normal to be afraid or frightened. She's not frightened of the... Most of us are not frightened of the disease itself. It's inconvenient. Most of us do not want to have diabetes or any of the conditions because you need to go through treatment, take tablets, have injections. Oh, it's a hustle in a way. But that's life. But one of the major fear and anxiety is uh, death, of course. So she was concerned about the results of her diagnosis. And um, I did uh, try to encourage her. It is perfectly okay. Back to be frightened. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And she, even though you're trying to explain to her the procedure, she don't really, really understand. She don't like the pain. None of us do, including myself. So the fact that uh, we do not need to pretend that, you know, I'm brave enough or whatever, that in our mind, or we are telling ourselves, until we are honest with our own feelings, honest with how we feel, then we can offer that the non-judgment to other people. We can offer that as a gift to other people, that they are allowed to feel fear, anxiety, frustration, all those, however you feel, or relief that uh, finally the suffering uh, uh, ends, or relief that you know the results of your diagnosis, whatever emotions that you felt in your heart. So then... It is easier, when we are honest, it's easier for us to face the challenges, the challenges of uh, um, uh, the three characteristics of uh, phenomena, the dukkha, the suffering, anicca, impermanence, and anatta, the non-self, the out-of-controlness of life. So that is, um, at the moment, the three stories. I can tell one more story. You know, when I was uh, saying that, you know, we uh, need to reflect on again and again, uh, when the impermanent strike, old age sickness and death strike, the bell strike for us, the real time, uh, big time, um, we already have tools, you know, you already thought about it, think about it, and contemplate about it, or familiar with it, because <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so familiar with it, so that um, we not f- um, not become a shock to us. 
you know, being a nun, we got people come to see us, uh, especially when the impermanence right. Someone have a big difficulties in life, or there is a, um, a sickness or big diagnosis, and very often you you hear them then trying to learn meditation, then want to know more way to practice. It is not late and never late to start any time. But isn't it better that you already have tools that in your basket that you can just pull it out? You have been meditating. You still probably don't, we still probably don't like the bell of old age, sickness and death. But at least we have a bit of muscle there. We know what to do. Uh, once the initial um, shock over, we just get on with what we need, what need to be done. And preferably not to be uh, some of uh, the incidents that I met, they recover from their um, uh, impermanence, uh, difficulties, uh, challenges, uh, some people, and then they, I haven't seen them for a while, the next time the next uh, difficulties come along, they, turn, they come again, they really diligent and wanted to do more retreats or meditation. It is um, it's okay because the seeds are planted, but it's always good. You will be in excellent condition, situation when something's right. That you say, okay, I don't like it. Um, but you have to accept that. There's no choice anyway. And not just I say, the Buddha say, that's reality of life. Um, I'm going to, um, um, before I read, do I have time? I want to go through now some tools uh, that we can use. Um, I can't do a full scale of it. Basically, we have the noble Eightfold Path that we can take days to talk about. Um, so all the tools and uh, uh, techniques and uh, things, uh, practices we can do to uh, uh, help us, uh, to support us, uh, to guide us uh, through any of these challenges. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. But before that, I uh, can't, not, cannot help myself. I want to read a section of a, um, a suitors out to show you that about old age and sickness. This, um, this is a sutra from Majjhima Nikaya, the middle-length discourses. Um, I'm reading out these uh, sutras, trying to demonstrate to you that it's not me who said that. It is a universal truth. Uh, most of us have the faith in the Buddha. So the Buddha is the one that, the teaching from the words of the Buddha. And this particular one is not. It is a conversation. Um, it is uh, from Majjhima Nikaya, Sutra 82. It called Ratapala Sutra. So it's a conversation between a king and a venerable Arahat Ratapala. So I just choose the sections I find interesting because I don't have time to read out the whole Sutra. So this is from the Sutra. 
Master Ratapala. So this is the monk uh, um, Ratapala, and the king is asking him a question. It says, "Life in any world is unstable. It is swept away. How should the meaning of that statement be understood?" So any world is unstable. It is swept away. And uh, Venerable um, Arahat Ratapala replied, What do you think, great king, when you were 20 or 25 years old, so those are under 30, were you an expert in rider of, uh, an expert rider of elephants, an expert horseman, an expert charioteer, an expert archer, an expert swordman, strong in thighs and arms, sturdy, capable in battle. So this sutras is in the ancient India, okay? There's no uh, rocket or anything. You need to really turn up and really fight. So they need to be very strong. So the king replied, when I was 20 or 25 years old, Master Ratapala, I was an expert writer of elephants, strong in thighs and arms, sturdy, capable in battle. Sometimes I wonder if I had this supernormal power then. I do not see anyone who could equal me in strength. So this king is very strong. And young. So the, the venerable asks again, What do you think, great king? Are you now as strong in thighs and arms, as sturdy and as capable in battle? The king replied, No, no, no. Master Ratapala, now I am old, aged, burdened with years, advanced in life, come to the last stage. My years have turned 80. Sometimes I mean to put um, my foot here. I put my foot somewhere else. Can you... Uh, it's not that imagine those who are older. So that you're not in control where your body will go. So be uh, as a warning for the young ones. <laughs> when I was a young nun, uh, when I went to the monastery... Uh, I, we have a couple of nuns in their 50s. I was in my 20, uh, 30s. So I look at them, you know, they can't get up from the floor easily. I was hot. You know, I was uh, uh, intoxicated uh, with youth. So I just, you know, just stood up. And I look at them and say, hmm, now it is my turn. <laughs> I could understand. I just say, hmm, I cannot get up easily. So there you go. Uh, it will come to you, and I'm one of them that was experiencing that. So I love that. Then the, the conversation is about, it's true, it's reality, reality of life. But we just do not, um, not that we do not get it, we just do not register it. Or we want to close, close shut it away because this is not relevant now. Seems like. OK, 
okay, I do I have time? <laughs> I better stop because I got another of quite a number of examples that's so interesting. But I better stop. I'll go to um, I want to finish um, to be able to talk a bit more. Um, what do we do? Otherwise, you thought this venerable eye uh, sorry, only scare us. You want some techniques. We want something that we can use. You know it. All we need to do is just continue with the practice that we are doing. Be a good person. But let's hear what the Buddha said. Um, so I'm going to go through that and we can exp- um, explore a bit more on the few topics that we are on. So I have chosen a sutta um, and other suttas. And I hope um, after this retreat, it gives you more inspiration on the words of the Buddha. So you can make it become your, uh, something that important in your life. You don't need to read a sutta per day, probably a sutta per week. Something that exciting. I told Ajahn Brahmali that I say, I don't like sutras that it is repetitive and, you know, I like things that with story. So that's why you can hear me reading out most of the sutras with a story that I find is interesting. So this sutra is from the numerical discourse of the Buddha. It is, uh, I think it's four in the book of four, uh, sutra 184. The title is called Fearless. I will only read the second half of it, but I'm going to start with the, uh, the first part. It says, Then the Brahman, Janusoni, approached the Blessed One, which is the Buddha, and exchanged greeting with him. Then, sitting to one side, he said to the Blessed One, Master Gautama, I hold the thesis and view that there is one, on one subject to death, who is not frightened and terrified of death. And uh, uh, Buddha, is, uh, they're having a conversation on how, what do you mean by fearless? You know, most of us are frightened and terrified of sickness and death. Um, if anyone who, are not, who is not, please come to see me later on. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read out, there is four things that the Buddha say. Um, and Brahman, who are these, those subject to death? It said death, but to me, as remember, sickness as well. They are not frightened and terrified. First one. Here someone is devoid of lust, desire, affection, thirst, passion and craving for sensual pleasures. When he incurs a severe and debilitating illness, he does not think, alas, the sensual pleasures that's dear to me will leave me, and I will have to leave all those sensual pleasures behind. He does not sorrow, languish, and lament. He does not weep, beating his breast and become confused. This is one subject to death who is not frightened and terrified. So remember that when I explained the eight uh, precepts, 
there is a few of them that are talking about sensual pleasures, you know, sleeping on luxury bed and uh, entertainment and adornment. Even the poem, one of Bobby Cooney, Amber Pali, talk about she got gold uh, anklets or gold rings. So they are, all those are sensual pleasure. You know, anything that we touch, taste. So the Buddha was encouraged saying that, you know, if you are not have um, a crave for this sensual pleasure, then it is easier at the time of when we have sickness and death that we do not feel that, oh, I will not be able to experience those things anymore. So this is a story that I, I would like to uh, uh, share first before more stories. Um, I was with my family members. Uh, I, went, I went to Malaysia. I was born in Malaysia. So I went to visit my mum and the families. And they uh, love uh, food. They would drive for two hours to get you a particular food or store or something. And they were trying to tell me that, come back to stay in Asia. You know, the food is so good. I was sitting there, I could not tell them that I will not, <laughs> I will not be interested in eating anything if we just need to drive for two hours <laughs> to get to a particular place. No matter how famous is the store, how delicious is the food. And I could see the difference after all these years of um, being a monastic. Because it's not something, no longer something that I chase after. So same thing for you. The more that you keep on practicing, those that is not the most important thing in your life anymore. I bet, well, in Perth, none of us will drive two hours to, uh, to go to have a taste of certain food because... Um, Two hours would be a long time to drive, but yet my family members do. They even say, "Come back to stay." You know, this the food is so good here. I thought I cannot explain because for most people, um, not familiar with uh, uh, talking about old age, sickness, and death, about sensual pleasures, they will want. They that's what we are chasing after. Actually. Um, after saying, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to give you another example from the same sutras, uh, Ratapala Sutra. But before I do that, I'm going to say that, you know, the way that we are practicing, you say, how do we practice to reduce our sensual, our craving for sensual pleasure? Anything with uh, uh, taste, touch, smell, sight, we want to see the most beautiful Seen, someone was showing me that there's aurora in Mandra. They uh, hundred people turn up there. They waited whole night, and they saw they took some photos. Um, so they show me the photos. Um, it is beautiful, but that is sensual pleasure. The beauty with our eyes, with the sight. The very nice and uh, silky or whatever things that we are wearing, there's touch and taste and smell. We want to smell the beautiful roses or flowers or whatever. Um, so the practice of renunciation 
like you all do here. If you tell your friends that uh, I spend the whole weekend contemplating old age sickness and death, they will think that you are nuts. True? You can try it out, especially the younger one. When you go back to work or see your friends, um, check it out. Even when you're older, you tell friends that, you know, I spent the whole weekend doing some meditation. Uh, she even did a um, guided meditation on death. People will probably drop their jaw will drop. But you, all of us here are willing to do that. How wonderful. That is your renunciation from a sensual pleasure, from the time that you might be able to spend time on the beach or whatever you do over the weekend. But you are here. Even though this is pretty good, this is five-star, uh, Ajahn Brahm used to call it club mat, club meditation, you know, with your own ensuite, uh, your own toilet and bathroom, have tea, unlimited tea and medicine anytime. There's delicious food that you have, all of us have. So it's pretty good. It's quite close, um, club mat, um, jhana growth or serpentine. But it's still a renunciation. I uh, encourage some of you to switch off your phone or you not having a, uh, at least not looking at the phone for other things. I know some of you use it for alarm clock. Um, or not eating tonight. Um, those are renunciation. That's why I suggest to give it a go. See how you feel. That is at least a step. You already taken a step out to be here. So you are a few more steps into the uh, spiritual practice. And um, some of you offering dana, not the lunch that uh, it is on the schedule, is say lunch. Um, normally we call dana. Dana is a Pali word. It actually means generosity, uh, giving. So those, to those people who cook and bring it, is their gift, their uh, generosity. They renounce, they renounce, renouncing their money, uh, financial, uh, financially. They renouncing their energy and time. Now cook for sixty people. They don't know most of us, but they're still willing to come because they want to practice uh, this. Renunciation, relinquishment, and uh, sensual pleasures. So that they are one, they probably can't go on the trip to somewhere because they have used the funds for something else. So that is the practice. That's what we call dana instead of lunch. So that is one of the ways that uh, we can't uh, uh, match it. Uh, are tools that we can use to uh, um, go against uh, our sensual desires. So by the time that when we are feeling, when we have sickness, we don't feel that it is so hard to give up the sensual pleasures because we already started the process. And um, as I say, I'm going to uh, read out 
uh, one of the um, uh, so story just now is uh, between the venerable Arahat uh, Ratapala and the king. So this is another one. Um, it say so the king is asking. So I jump to and back to the previous uh, sutta again. Okay, uh, Master Ratapala, the king asks, there exists in this court abundant gold coins and bullion stored away in the vaults and depositories. Now, Master Ratapala say, life in any world has nothing of his own. One has to leave all and pass on. How should the meaning of that statement be understood? The Venerable replied, What do you think, great king? You now enjoy yourself, provide it, and endow with the five courts of sensual pleasures? But will you be able to have it, the life to come? Let me likewise enjoy myself, provide it, and endow with these same five courts of sensual pleasures. Or will others take over this property? While you will have to pass on according to your actions. Pass on, of course, means if you, uh, when you die, you can't, but the venerable say, you can't bring all this money or properties and everything with you. So I cannot have it, the king replied, I cannot have it thus of life to come, Master Ratapala. On contrary, others will take over this property, while I shall have to pass on according to my action. And I'm uh, just going to read the next part because the venerable is trying to tell the king why he left home and to become a monk. So, great king, it was on account of this that the blessed one who knows and sees accomplish and fully enlighten, say, life in any world has nothing of its own. One has to leave all and pass on. And when I knew and saw and heard this, I went forth from home life to homelessness. You do not need to become a monastic, but we can try to uh, use it as part of the practice. So I don't know what, hap- uh, what do you do, but when I attended my uh, first uh, retreat, that I told you that I was uh, really agitated, that uh, being told off by Ayavayama, and then I was really resistant to walking meditation because I normally work weekend. That's the time that you get most money. So I work Saturday, Sunday, and uh, Friday. In order to attend a weekend retreat, I have to say to my bosses and say, no, I can't come, so I will not get paid. But that is the renunciation. Some of you might be doing that. You can't go to work. Or some people told me that someone um, told me that they got to normally take Friday off if they need to attend a weekend retreat so that they can come here earlier to settle down offer dana at the monastery, that is renunciation. So that's something that all of us are, are doing, 
in whatever way we could. I was uh, go back to yeah, jumping all over the place. Go back to my story. I say that I need to take the weekend off. That's why I was an agitator. I say, I can't do not get uh, pay as unpaid leave, and then I come come to the retreat being told off by the nun, and then she asked me to do silly things, you know, to walk according to her the beat of her um, <laughs> of the fish. That's why I get really agitated. I say, complaining at the time. I now have, hopefully, have gained more wisdom. I can understand what is, where is my agitation come from. At the time I don't, I just agitated. And being very rebellious. Now, go back to the sutras that I have mentioned. The first one, sensual pleasures. We can practice to lessen our desire or craving for sensual pleasures by practicing renunciation, relinquishment, by practicing dana. So that's uh, the one of the one, the first one. So the second one. Again, someone is devoid of lust, desire, affection, thirst, passion, and craving for the body. When he incurs a severe and debilitating illness, he does not think, Alas, this body dear to me will leave me, and I will have to leave this body. He does not sorrow, languish, and lament. He does not weep, beating his breast, and become confused. This too is one subject to death and sickness, who is not frightened and terrified. So we do not identify um, with the body. This is me, this body. You can see the body as a car. Like, uh, you know, we use, we uh, uh, own it uh, so-called temporary. But all the organs, as I mentioned uh, this morning, that we, I mean, I read out about the, um, the, about aging, we just fall apart. The body will fall apart. Is it you? So if we do not identify that this is me, this body is me and beautiful and strong, then when something happens, okay, they're just like a car. You know, things will fall apart. If we can repair it, we do whatever we can. You go to heart surgery or whatever treatment you need to do. But there will be a time that, that can, it will not happen because it's fall apart too much. Most of the time that um, I saw, most people uh, end towards the end of life, they are, we all have organ failure because our body just cannot cope. We just fall apart. There's no replacement. No matter how much money, even the king cannot do anything about it. So just uh, keep going. There's uh, two more because there's four of them. So the third one. Again, someone has not done what is evil, cruel, and defiled, but has done what is good and wholesome and make a shelter for himself. 
When he incurs a severe and debilitating illness, he thinks, "Indeed, I have not done anything evil, cruel, and defiled, but I have done what is good and wholesome, and make a shelter for myself. So when I pass on, I will meet the appropriate fate." He does not sorrow, languish, and lament. He does not weep, beating his breast and become confused. This too is one subject to death, who is not frightened and terrified. Personally, I consider that is one of the very important um, uh, practice that we can do to be. Someone that who is uh, not uh, to be a good person. I explain the five precepts, keeping the five precepts, um, to do what is kind, uh, what is helpful, uh, offering um, your energy and time to help your friend who's uh, next door. I, I'm here. Someone have to go to. Uh, The property of the child becoming hermitage, she need to go there to wash the plants because it's so hot. So that is the offering. So you do whatever you can. So when something happen, when we are sick or met with death, we will not feel like, oh, um, I am not really nice to this person or that person. Things that we have unfinished business, and we know we knew that if we keeping the precepts and uh, cultivating, let's say, the first precept of not killing other living creatures, we cultivating loving kindness, compassion, kindness. That in our heart, at a moment that uh, we re- we need some uh, strength or reminder, we say, "Hey, I actually." Is a good person. My assistance has been a blessing to others. Just like uh, those people who are volunteers uh, in the kitchen, they are cooking. They have this. Let's say Christina. She's not here. Um, she uh, has been doing working so hard more than she her job description. You know, she's cooking in the kitchen. Helping with the retreats, but she told me that she said she's very happy to do that. It bring her lots of joy and happiness. And uh, like Serenga, who is a manager, you know, they all do whatever they can. They bring them the the joy and happiness, and that is what uh, we can cultivate. That we are talking about a good person, a good person. There's no good or bad person in such. We are、um, trying to be kind and doing whatever we can. And、um, the fourth one. Again, someone is unperplexed, doubt-free, and decided about the good dharma. When he incurs a severe and debilitating illness, he thinks. I am unperplexed, doubt-free, and decided about the good dharma. 
He does not sorrow, languish, and lament. He does not weep, beating his breast, and become confused. These two is one subject to death who is not frightened and terrified. Basically, it means that you take the three refuges. You have faith in the teaching of the Buddha. You understand rebirth and know that. Uh, Uh, have confidence that you did whatever you can. All of you, all of us are here. It is so encouraging. That don't not forget that you are here, spending your weekend. Imagine that this uh, I don't know how many hours you can calculate for me, forty-eight uh, hours at least. That all all you have done is all the kind things. Uh, reflecting on old age, sickness, and death, and consider practicing dana and renunciation, you have done nothing to cause us harm to any other beings. Why you are here? That is, I would say, sadu, sadu, sadu. Rejoice in that. You know, you had, whatever you do before doesn't. We are not going to. Uh, worried about, it. but these two days, at least all of us have the opportunity to do that. So that is great job, great work. So be very happy with yourself. So that is those uh, type of work, those type of practices will help us to face uh, challenges, any challenges in life. We'll be more resilient because in our heart we knew I did whatever I could, and I will still continue. I am very sure uh, all of you will continue your practice, going to the the directions, inclining yourself to goodness. So we keep going, and that is uh, one uh, that is part of the tools that you can use. There's many. Uh, that we can talk about, but uh, that's uh, all I have time to uh, go through in a more concise ways that I uh, would say, and keep on practicing, and willingness. Once we are willing and uh, open our heart to whatever just happened now, we will open our heart to our fellow beings. On the same journey, that itself is an offering, is a gift. So remember that.、Um, all right.、Um, I think we uh, need to uh, uh, go to our meditation、um, for about half an hour, and、um, we will, as I, we'll see what will what happen because、um, we're going to finish at three thirty. Uh, this afternoon, then I think you got other schedules happening, and、uh, we just、uh, sit. I'm going to do a guided meditation.、Um, I'm going to do the body awareness again. What, when I repeat it again and again, there's something that you can bring home to use it. You don't like it, you can throw it away. You use it as any other methods. I personally normally start any meditation sessions with a body awareness, so that you bring me to now, to how my body is feeling now, rather than thinking about 
okay, uh, I need to arrange for transport to go home, um, what I need to have for breakfast. So take you out of that and be present. There's many other ways uh, we can be present, but one of the ways is body awareness that I find very useful. So um, let's sit together. I will encourage you to put your glasses down again to relax. And I will need to have my glasses on because I can't see. I'm quite blind. <laughs> can't see the time even without my glasses on. And relax. You can stretch a little bit. And mm. if you feel that sitting on the floor is too difficult, sit on a chair. I love it. I um, don't know who I heard it from. I heard it from Ayavayama. Um, you do not get enlightened with your legs. Um, but you need to, we all need to form this uh, good relationship with meditation. Of course, if you are young and you can sit on the floor, do that. But if you uh, have problems with your knee and uncomfortable, or you need to uh, put, lean your back to the wall, do that. I'm going to have a drink before the start so you can wiggle your body a bit. I also encourage you, if you would like to join Shranga for the yoga, for the yoga, uh, sessions at 4 p.m. It is something that is very um, important. I do yoga stretches myself every day um, because the more meditation that you do, sometimes, especially you get older, I can tell you that uh, the body is stiffer and I do have back pain and I find doing some stretches actually do help and uh, so that you can sit in ease rather than in discomfort. So uh, this is a good, a good opportunity to learn some stretches and uh, that you can bring it home with you. All right. So sit comfortably wherever you are. And once again, feel very happy that you are here with the fellow practitioners on the path. And you're in a safe space. And bring yourself to the present moment. Feel the contact of your body either the contact of the body with the cushion, the cushion of the chair, or the contact on the floor. I'm going to start the meditation session with body awareness.
So bring your awareness again to the top of the head. Slowly move down to the forehead and bring your awareness again to the back of your head. Gradually and slowly move down to the back of your head where the place that got just before the neck Any part of your head that you feel discomfort, unpleasant, bring your awareness to the part. And then let it go. Now bring your awareness to the front of your head, starting from the forehead to the eyebrow, to your eyes, to the nose, to the cheeks, to the mouth, to the chin, And gently remind yourself to relax. Bring your awareness to the side of the neck, below the ear, and slowly, gradually, Bring attention to both shoulders. Any feelings of heaviness, tightness, bring your awareness to that and let it go. Now bring your awareness to the top of your upper arms, gradually moving down to the elbows, to the lower arms, to your wrists, to both hands, to the bottom of the fingers, gradually moving up to the tips of your fingers, And let every tension and stress go. And remind yourself to relax. Bring your awareness to the front of the body. From the top of your neck. 
slowly moving down to the chest. Any discomfort you feel, palpitation, tightness, bring your awareness there. Bring your attention there. And then let it go. Like you acknowledging that presence of discomfort, a bit of a loving kindness, and then let the parts go and move to the next area. Gradually continue to move down to your stomach. To your groin area. And remind yourself to relax. Bring your awareness to the back. From the back of the neck. Moving down slowly and gradually along the spine, part by part, giving your gentle and kind attention all the way to the waist, to the buttocks. Remind yourself again to relax. Bring your awareness to both thighs. Moving all the way to your knees, to your lower legs. your feet, to the toes, to the tip of the toes, and once again, let all your tension go, and remind yourself to relax. Stay a few moments in silence, in the present moment of silence. Bring your awareness to the breath.
Give your full attention to the breath. Whether it is a long breath or short breath. Whether it is a fast breath or slow. Give it your full attention with kindness and gentleness.
We are coming close to the end of the session. Take a few minutes to reflect on how the meditation has been for you. Are you more relaxed or are you more agitated? Remember that it doesn't matter as long as you are present here. I'm going to ring the bell and then you can come up from the meditation. You can continue to sit here or you invite you to spend half an hour on the walking meditation. <laughs> 